Predation. These will be subject to de-emphasis. These will be subject to de-evolution. New evolutionary paradigm will give us the human traits of truth, of loyalty, of justice, of freedom. These will be manifestations of the new evolution. And that is what we would hope to see from this. Hello and welcome, and thank you for joining us on another episode of The Esoteric Negro. Today, our guest is Chao Wan Ku. She is a writer, YouTuber, master TikTok uh, person, but also probably one of the most knowledgeable people on esoteric knowledge that I've ever met. She does not skimp on the work. She's detail-oriented and intelligent. Really, she's been such a great gift to us in this podcast and giving us um, insight direction and i thoroughly enjoyed speaking to her and uh, i hope you enjoy the conversation thank you i'll let you introduce yourself to everyone you tell us about yourself and you know what it is you do and all that good stuff my name is chawan and i am a curator at witches and wine that's my youtube channel and i call myself a curator because I feel as though there are so many great subject matter experts, but in this age of social media, oftentimes those who are very deep and intense and so on top of their expertise, they're so busy doing their thing. And social media is like a completely different mindset where everything has to be quick and snappy and super catchy. So I try to be the bridge between that sort of deep esoteric knowledge, which in essence, the occult, it literally means hidden. So I'm trying to bring more eyeballs onto the occult and try to demystify it. And I feel as though it's not just in terms of the knowledge, but also in terms of culture. I'm Korean American, so I'm trying to bridge also between East and West. I'm somebody who is part of the intersection of many different groups, and I'm trying to be the bridge between how can we all understand each other. And in that sense, I feel as though curator, journalist, occult journalist, because I do, do also write about the occult for publications like Pop Dust and Pathios Pagan. Um, those are sort of like my main ways of trying to explain what I do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, for everyone that, just to reiterate, I saw you, your TikTok, saw you on TikTok originally and your YouTube channel is amazing. And there's some really awesome episodes and subject matter on there for folks who are really interested in a esoteric and, you know, hermetics, what all the, all the things, occult and esoteric knowledge. So the first thing I want to ask you about is something that I haven't really explored on the podcast is you've made mentions about being atheist and also a witch or interested in magic and being atheist. And often, and I noticed like I'm on a, I don't know if you're on Clubhouse yet. And I can talk about that a little bit later, but I'm on Clubhouse. And in my profile, I had like my big three. And I was in a room with some gentlemen discussing I think they were discussing like the QAnon and that new phenomenon we're talking about with bad information. And they were really 
confused about the fact that I mentioned that I read like XKCD and that I was familiar with like Christopher Hitchens and, and you know, those guys. And, but they were like confused because they were like, well, you have your astrology and your profile is it is that that has some kind of meaning. So I really wanted someone that has experience to kind of explain what it means to be an atheist and still have interest in. And I, I don't consider myself an atheist, by the way, but I just, I wanted you to say that it's possible to be like a rational person, but also have these beliefs or have these interest in these topics and they, they're still valid. Marcia, I think that this conversation is so important and thank you for basically showing the world through your uh, example that you can have so many different perspectives and learn about different things and still not say that you're an atheist, you know, just because you're reading about mm -hmm. Christianity doesn't mean that you're Christian. Just because you're open yes. to it doesn't mean that you absolutely are like, I am a card holding Christian. I mm -hmm. am an atheist. Um, I've been an atheist since I was, <laughs> I always tell the story where I was like five years old. I had a bad dream and my grandmother came in. I come from a Catholic family. And instead of giving me a hug and telling me it's going to be okay, she was just like, oh, I'm going to just spread some holy water around the room. And I remember being five years old and realizing that, and for me, a lot of the atheism is sort of a pushback against what I consider to be um, big mainstream organized religion. And it was me pushing back and even at that age, realizing there was no logic behind what she did. I was like, to me, it would have seemed much more logical and also emotionally more, I don't know, um, nurturing to hug a young child who had a nightmare instead of spreading holy water. And so I was like, what is it that made her believe that spreading holy water was going to be the superior choice in the situation? And so this led me on this lifelong path of trying to debunk a lot of what now I see is not so much like straight up like, oh, I'm against religion, but I think it's the patriarchal structures and a lot of the other toxic elements in religion. As I've become older, I've realized that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is the reason why I love it when people like you are able to talk about different sort of perspectives and not throw that baby out to realize that that baby is very valuable. And yes, it is possible for somebody who is a spirit working witch slash occultist. So I work very deeply with Hikate and people are just like mm -hmm. Hikate and also demons. Demons, mm -hmm. wait a second, mm -hmm. you're an atheist. If you're an atheist mm -hmm. and you don't believe in the Abrahamic God, then how the fuck can you believe in Hikate and demons? Demons are like Christian, you know, like medieval Christian, dark yeah. ages Christian stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I have to go on this big sort of like explanation that oftentimes still people are very confused about, which is that magic is not necessarily always about belief and about blind faith. And in fact, this concept of faith, blind faith, even for those who will say that they're atheists, but come from, let's say a Christian family, or, you know, if we grew up in, especially America, it's a very Christian uh, mindset. Don't realize that this concept of faith is a very Abrahamic concept and that there have been plenty of religions throughout the eons, I would say the majority, that have not required blind faith. And therefore, having faith in something or not having faith in something is not a huge tenant of atheism. Right. Well, that's, that's, they're going to love this, this episode. <laughs> I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you straightened that out because it's so frustrating when you, you know, I mean, frustrating for me when I enter these spaces where people are having actually really decent dialogue and conversations and they're like, mm, but you're into astrology 
or, you know, you have this and it's just like, it's not like, I don't, it doesn't rule my life. I don't wake up every day. And I also think that's a part of like the cultural shift too. People have more interest now and people have more anxiety about the future. And, you know, but again, it's kind of like looked down on, I guess, in the broader, I don't know what you call it. I guess the intellectual dark web following folks, the, the Sam Harris's and the Eric Weinstein's of the world, I suppose, you know, kind of look down on, down on us for that, which is odd to me. But um, so there's something else that we were, I was having a discussion with a friend earlier that we were talking about too, is um, the, it seems like there is, with the advent of new people in magic, we, there is a lot of debate and a lot of maybe demystifying because there's a huge return to um, people returning to uh, African traditions that's been happening or research into those, which is really great. People getting, you know, I guess decolonizing their faith um, in a way and also deconstructing, getting away from evangelical Christianity. And I, I've noticed that there's a lot of, I guess, again, like there's overlap in the new thought woo spiritual i'm in la by the way so this is like a this is a thing i encounter a lot a new a crossover between woo folks new age spirituality and positive hyper positive almost toxic positive spirituality and then there's people that in the other side of the community that are like okay i do work with you know i think it's goetia correct or i do work in chaos magic or i do these are things that i um i do work with infernals and there is like a stereotype that 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 is somehow not very positive, not positive. And I wanted to kind of talk about that. And then like the stigma on uh, the Western esotericism, Crowley being bad and all these people being like shadowy figures. And uh, from your perspective, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, So the entire argument about what is the left-hand path, quote unquote, dark magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And by the way, I just want to put out there that yes, the term black magic it does have racist undertones um i watched a tiktok yeah. um, where somebody very who's very uh, well read about the topic about especially early puritan magic as in you know the salem witch trials there were witches there were magic people who were there who may not have been the actual puritans but who were around the puritans were from europe and let's just say that the term black magic was absolutely used by the Puritans in America, you know, our founding fathers to talk about the magic of non-white people. So absolutely the term black magic, let's move away from that. And let's Mm -hmm. use terms like, uh, let's be more specific. Are we talking about hexing? Are we talking about uh, the dark sort of darker magic um, in terms of what people consider to be anti-church? as in grimoireic magic, the magic that the church did not sanction? Are we talking about other magic that the church didn't sanction, which is the herbalism of women, the folk, the cunning women, the folk magicians of villages who are giving out, let's say, mm, birth control or some sort of herbs to induce abortion in women, which was considered, oh my God, women having power over their own bodies and not giving it over to God and to men Wow, that is definitely the work of the devil. So we have to understand that the way that we talk about magic, a lot of times we think we're talking just about magic, but there are strong political overtones to it. This is why I always say magic is inherently political, because Mm -hmm. the reason why things are called magic or are called quote unquote black magic versus things are called prayer, good vibes, thoughts is because there is a political narrative behind it. And therefore, 
when a lot of people, like the old guard of the occult community, they shit on young women and they say, oh, you know, like they think they just, you know, like discovered tarot and now they're witches. How dare they? I've been studying witchcraft for years. And I'm just like, dude, because usually it's a dude. I'm like, dude, witchcraft isn't just about studying a book. Witchcraft mm-hmm. is how you move through the world. And I would say that oftentimes people who are women, non-binary people who are, you know, black, indigenous people of color, people who inhabit any sort of space where they are not part of mainstream structures of power, they are witches. They had to be witches. Being a witch until recently was something that people had to do to survive because we couldn't depend on mainstream modes of power for justice. We couldn't depend on mainstream modes of power to get ahead in life. Therefore, we had to go and lean on other methods, the back door, to get an equal or slightly equal opportunity or even just a a fair shake or slightly fair shake at trying to live just a regular life. And therefore, for people to judge certain things as black magic or, oh, you haven't been studying long enough and therefore you're not a real witch. I'm just like, wow, that is actually what the church would have said. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you do. Find, I guess that's the gatekeeping is the there is a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of um, I think for me until I get, got a little bit more knowledge, I, I thought that it was everything came across a little bit. I thought some of the, the elements of the spiritual community and I've talked about this with Mitch a little bit. It was very reactionary and very like libertarian-y issue which is nothing there's nothing wrong with that but it just doesn't feel like a it didn't feel like empowering in the same it was like more about power of the individual which is great which is important which is what I think the what you're saying the original intention was but I feel I felt like there was a implication that it's only powerful for some individuals and not all of us like so it's a little bit less inclusive and I don't like to politicize spirituality but you like like you said it is it's a very political thing I am it so what do you think about could you really like explain to us briefly um the history of Crowley and why he's such a a instant a kind of controversial figure right now as far as like people getting new that are new to new to this kind of stuff and um I know you were saying I know I've heard you say that he's not necessarily a bad guy um, and I know he's been painted to be that way and not just by like, you know, mainstream, like Christianity or whatever, but like by people in the spiritual community, in the occult community, it seems like. So I was curious to know your thoughts on that. Like baby with the bathwater thing that you were talking about earlier. Right. So to talk about Crowley, in some ways we need to go even further back, right? Okay. So what happened, and we're talking about Western occultism. So right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about Western occultism, which Nowadays, it's like this huge point of contention. You brought up like ATR's African traditional religions um, and sort of their resurgence. And again, this debate about who can and who cannot go into these closed practices. And we could probably talk a little Mm -hmm. bit more about what that entails later. But Mm -hmm. what's been going on is that the Western occult tradition is very much based upon actually a non-white history, the pagan history that Europeans love to talk about actually happened around the Mediterranean basin. So it's like not just Italy, right? But it's also Mm -hmm. Turkey. It's North Africa. It's Morocco. It's all these places. And when we talk about the Greek world, we're actually talking about the Hellenistic world, which involved that entire area. And back then it was the language and culture, the Greek language, the Greek culture 
that made somebody decide that they were part of that culture. It wasn't skin color. And mm-hmm. so this narrative that Greek culture is like white, complete and utter bullshit. Mm-hmm. And especially in the magic tradition, Egypt, okay, we're talking Egypt, Africa, was considered by everybody to be the most magical place on earth. Like, I think even in somewhere in the Bible, they mentioned how if magic was in 10 parts, like nine of them went to Egypt or something like that. So mm-hmm. everyone agreed that Egypt was the place to be. And Hellenistic astrology, a lot of it is based upon uh, Egyptian fixed star astrology and Egyptian astrology. You know, everything is kind of building on top of each other. And Egyptian astrology mm-hmm. also worked together with Mesopotamian astrology. So the Middle East. And so the Arab world, the Islamic world, was also very meshed with this idea of Western occultism. And by the way, uh, we wouldn't have any knowledge of the classical, the older Western occult traditions were it not for our Arab friends who, when the church came in, were just like, we're going to burn all you occultists. We're going to burn you astrologers. We're kicking you out. Bye-bye. They went into the Islamic world and the Islamic world was like, come to us with your knowledge because we are going to be patrons of science knowledge, of philosophy, of occult knowledge. Please come with your Latin text and we will translate it into Arabic. And we will also build on top of that. So were it not for the Islamic world and the golden age um, that was around mm-hmm. the medieval age. So when Europe was mm-hmm. in their dark ages, the Islamic world was having a great time. I mean, and I love to, I love it when people are just like always shitting on brown people, because I'm just like, you know that math, the cons- the zero that we know, that's... Uh, oh, Solomon, uh, oh, I mean, but Solomon the Great, did he keep, he was a part of that as well, keeping the occult traditions alive as well? Because I know that that, that was, Solomon the Great, or not Sol- Solomon, uh, there was a, a, a figure in the uh, Ottoman Empire where he kept the a lot of the Greek stuff and a lot of oh, the stuff. Oh, there were so many. There were so many. There were so many. There's more than one. Yeah. Sorry, was... me cut you off. I was just oh, no problem. Yeah, this is such an exciting topic. So it's like, please feel mm-hmm. free to just jump in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like many different lines. and many, I mean, they had raid parties, as in like some of these like Islamic rulers, they would risk war to go and raid their neighbors for astrological knowledge. I mean, it was that oh, wow. important. So while the Christian world was deciding to double down on blind faith and this politicized structure of like one God, the Islamic world was actually extremely open-minded, intellectually curious, and were it not for them, we wouldn't have any of this knowledge. And there's actually tons and tons and tons of astrological treaties that are still in Arabic because they haven't been translated yet. And when they were translated back in the day when Europe, when they were coming out of the Dark Ages and getting into their Renaissance especially around in Spain, because there was a lot of mix between the Spanish and Islamic culture around there. They were just like, oh my God, we used to have this knowledge. And so they were just like, oh, this is so exciting. I'm going to take this Arabic. Oh, Arabic people, I'm not crazy about them, but I'm going to take this knowledge that they preserved and I'm going to translate it back into Latin. But I don't really want to spend a lot of time reading this Arabic. So I'm just going to like translate it the quickest way possible. So it's not going to be even the best Mm -hmm. translation, right? So who knows? Things were translated from Latin into Arabic, then sloppily oftentimes translated from the Arabic back into Latin. So who knows Mm -hmm. what is actually, because, you know, translation, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm bilingual, but, you know, I translate a K-pop lyric here and there. So translation is an art. And there are words where you slightly change the word and it's a completely different meaning. 
And yeah. you need to know the context, the history, you need to know the culture of where you're translating from as well. So in a lot of ways, what a lot of people who are using the occult and occult knowledge to become nationalists and to, I don't know, use it for their own sort of like strange sort of gains are not realizing mm -hmm. that there is this entire uh, brown history behind it, which I find to be extremely ironic. So there we have that, right? We have basically brown people who helped create mm -hmm. uh, the preserve and preserve mm -hmm. and build mm -hmm. upon. And then Europe came in with this idea that we as the European, you know, like, and back then it was more like the church, you know, the Christendom. Mm -hmm. We have decided that we are instead going to focus on the church. And then later, we're going to take that sort of like very binary sort of like this or that mindset into science. It either is or isn't true. The scientific method, when it was developed, it had a very different feel. It had a much more open-minded feel than sort of the, I would say, extremist materialists of today. Mm -hmm. But that's what they decided to make it, right? Because it's that the same sort of mindset. So then it became the swing into scientific um, discovery, which in the beginning was absolutely amazing, great, wonderful new perspective to add on to this brilliant diamond that is the human experience. You have all these different facets. But then mm -hmm. the European mindset decided that they were just going to focus on this one specific mindset, which was the scientific one. And I am mm -hmm. not a fan of religion. And yet we've seen how the scientific mindset has also decided to take religion and throw that bathwater and baby out together. So it's yes. kind of like that too. So mm -hmm. once the scientific stuff started to come in, so I would say like astrology was taught in universities in Europe until maybe 15, 16, 1700, something around that time, you know? And then after that, science became the thing, right? It became the world perspective for the European mind. Mm -hmm. And then around the late 1800s, Europeans, after the Industrial Revolution, what a coincidence that after the human experience had suddenly started to go into the, we are machines, and mm -hmm. Europeans felt a certain sort of emptiness inside, maybe like, wait a second, something about this doesn't feel as complete as, so there's something missing. That's mm -hmm. when we had uh, spiritualists. We had the Fox sisters in New York being like, wait a second, mm -hmm. they're spirits. And it wasn't exactly super religious, but it still it is a religion and it still is a religion. And then it started this entire craze where all around the world, people are just like, I see fairies outside of my garden. I can talk to my grandma that even though she's dead, she's not just in heaven. I mean, she is mm -hmm. in heaven because, you know, they still have to be kind of Christian. She's in heaven, but I can still talk to her as well. There's a spirit world that's not just about this heaven and hell that Christianity says. And it started this entire movement to start introducing back spirituality into the European mind. And I keep saying the European mind. I don't want to make it about color because it is a mindset. Mm -hmm. um, but remember mm -hmm. that in the non-European, non-Christian world, this was going on unbroken. People were just like, yeah, you can mm -hmm. talk to your ancestors. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. fairies and little people. So this was mm -hmm. going on in 99% of the rest of the world, the Europeans, but at that point, we're just like, mm, you know, let's, let's try to bring that back into our world. And during that time as well, we have to remember that there was a lot of European colonization in the parts of the world that still believed and still practiced all these spiritual things. And Great Britain, their, maybe it was their biggest colony, I'm not sure about that, was India. And so mm -hmm. they were talking about 
India at a point where there had been at least a couple of generations where there were some people of certain Indian classes who had been educated in Great Britain or were educated in a more Indian or in a more European mindset. So it's not just like they came in and then suddenly were like taking a lot of Indian knowledge. A lot of, um, I would say, the the ones who were educated in the Western way, they got tired, as I would as well, of Westerners being like, the Europeans being like, oh, there's nothing that special about Indian knowledge. It's a bunch of superstition. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, like, what's the use of it? Let's just put it in the history books and just like, you know, like put it away somewhere in the back of the library. And I think a lot of these... Uh, English-speaking, Western-educated Indians were like, fuck you, our tradition also has amazing stuff. And so they, in the mindset of trying to introduce the ideas of their culture in a way that Westerners would understand, they were just like, well, what about this? This seems as though it would match really well with this Western idea, right? So I don't think it was so much that these Indians were thinking, ooh, let's try to help the Westerners appropriate our culture, but they were just trying to be that bridge. Mm -hmm. And the Westerners, they decided to go nuts. They were just like, oh my God, there is a connection. And then Mm -hmm. they decided to go over into the exotic East. And a lot of them went over, um, they were basically today's uh, definition of a trust fund baby, you know, like Alistair Crowley was a trust fund baby. Yes. Yeah. They had, they had money to spare and they're like, oh, take a tour of Europe. No, thank you. I'm going to go over to the East and I'm going to like tough it out and see what I learned there because it's so exotic. So they went mm-hmm. over there. And I don't want to just say that Crowley was an appropriator because there were some Eastern traditions that he truly and absolutely respected and spent a lot mm-hmm. of time studying. But there was a lot of that going on. There's no doubt about it. You had people, and I have an interview with Phil Hine that's going to come out soon. And Phil Hine, yeah. And Phil Hine, for those who may not be familiar, he's one of the guys of Chaos Magic. And now he's quite the scholar of uh, Tantra. And I I just love him. He's an absolutely adorable human being. And he's written very intensely. If you go on his blog, which is called enfolding.org, like you're enfolding something, um, he writes with great scholarship about that time period and about people like Woodruff and those who were in India and basically commissioned translations from the ancient texts into English. Again, the translation thing, we got to understand translation is an art. And we're introducing it into the Western world. And then, of course, the the progressives in the Western world, much like the progressives today, they embraced it. They were like, we're for women's rights. We're for you know, um, animal rights. And we are for Mm -hmm. introducing other ideas like Eastern ideas into the Western world. Back then to embrace Eastern ideas was not trendy. It was actually Mm -hmm. quite the opposite of trendy for, so for them, it wasn't quite the same as today's equivalence of appropriation. It was definitely Mm -hmm. much more of either an appreciation or an exoticization. Yeah. So it was a different, it was a different world. It was a different mindset. So let's keep that in the Mm -hmm. back of our minds as we continue the story. So that was going on. So the Theosophical Society under uh, Madame Blavatsky happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was all this exciting spiritual technology for him. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that when that started to happen, there was also the backlash of people. And I think Houdini was one of them, the magician Houdini with the handcuffs underwater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he he was just like uh, charlatans, and you know, 
Yeah. To be honest, there were a lot of people, as today there are a lot of people, who are like snake oil salesmen. They were jumping on the bandwagon and they were trying to make a quick buck out of trying to, you know, you can communicate with your ancestors, your your recently mm-hmm. deceased grandmother through me, or you can drink this mm-hmm. potion that has the ashes of mummies or whatever from Egypt, you know. So it was a great time of industrialization in Europe. It was a very dynamic period, you know, like it was industrialization. It was a time of opening up of the spiritual world. It was archaeology going into colonized lands and being like, whoa, you know, we're we're Christopher Columbus mm-hmm. saying all this stuff that has already existed to the people who've lived there for millions of years. And then you have people like Crowley. You have people who basically made the occult more mainstream, but also at the same time made the occult have a certain sort of flavor, which is this exotic, dangerous, dark, anti-establishment flavor. And that's sort of been going on. And then you have people like Casanita and the hippie movement coming in and being like, let's take esoteric knowledge from the indigenous people. Let's throw some drugs on it to the point Mm -hmm. where the reason why peyote and all these hallucinogens are so illegal is because you know, basically a bunch of white kids in California and all those states are driving into Mexico and they're trying mm-hmm. to, you know, drop some knowledge on themselves using these hallucinogens. And the U.S. government was just like, what are they doing? Why are they going there and like bringing these chemicals? No, thank you. And Timothy Leary was also trying to figure all that stuff out. And the government was like, no, thank you. And he actually mm-hmm. went to jail. <laughs> he tried to break out from prison, but then he was caught and yeah. he was brought back. And then he had transmissions from aliens, but that's a whole different thing as well. So we're seeing how, again, magic, it's depending on the vocabulary you use, the perspective of who is telling the story. It's a very political narrative. And to me, that's what's the most fun about it. Because if it's a political narrative, there is no one objective truth. If you're the Egyptian who's been living uh, near the the pyramids for you know, for centuries, your family's been there for centuries, you have a different story about magic and about the mm-hmm. entire, I guess, resurgence or the renaissance of spirituality and the European mind than somebody who is living in the countryside of, of you know, like Devonshire, like the UK. And then mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, wow, I think I see fairies in my backyard. Yeah. It's so interesting to me too. I'm glad you brought that up. The, what changed like in the hippie movement in the seventies, because it seems like there's a, there's a, even a splintered effect when it comes to people that aren't necessarily, won't necessarily like embrace some of the more like the, the magic stuff and the, the spiritualist stuff, but they will embrace all the questions that, you know, or all the stuff with Terrence McKenna and, uh, Timothy Leary, the questions of consciousness, all those things are seen as like not really in like they're completely separate from what we were talking about, but really they were all birthed, you know, a continuation of what was already kind of building upon that stuff that was happening here. It's really, yeah, to me, it seems that way. I'm not sure if you feel that way. But you're totally right. Yeah, you're totally absolutely right. As the map starts to appear closely, it's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And it's like, you know, I don't know why everything has to, I don't know, there's an extreme polarization that's that's that happens in not in just in this community as far as how like, now we're looking at new ways to how we get information right and it's not really new it's just now we're seeing like i guess what 30 years into really or longer of having the internet i mean it's different from the 1998 aol <laughs> days now right. um, and how we access information all that stuff's different now and my question is 
like looking at it, especially with what's happening politically. I was talking to uh, Darcy Staniforth, I'm giving her a, a shout out about the it's a weird time to be a fringe, a friend of someone that's into the fringe, that someone's into like alternative culture, because now there's a different element amongst us. And the element of uh, like these cute, like conspiracy theorists that aren't like, this isn't your average conspiracy, it's a new thing. And to me, I, and I would love to hear you expound upon this, um, that it feels like we're on the, on the horizon of another satanic panic almost. And I don't know if that makes any sense. There seems to be like an overlap, another, I keep saying overlap, there seems to be some kind of cross, weird cross-pollination happening. And for those of us who just like, you know, maybe go ghost hunting on the weekends, interested in UFOs, listening coast to coast, and now it's been co-opted by, you know, people that like think that, you know, Satanism is literally like drinking baby's blood on the weekends. And it's like, I'm sure there's people that do that. And in, in I mean, I'm sure there's something akin to that. I mean, Rich, you know, we know how power works and people in power can be creeps, but I don't think that it has anything directly to relate it to. It doesn't have anything to do with what, but what I considered, I, I'm interested in or your belief system. So I, I don't know. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. I just said a lot, but. You bring up um, some incredible points. And what you're seeing and observing is, I think, right on the money, which is, this is sort of like the Satanic Panic 2.0, which is mm -hmm. that instead of now the Christians being all upset about this, it's these Christian-minded people. And when I, when I say Christian-minded people, I'm talking about those who maybe inhabit the, the sort of worst part of Christianity, which is the dogma. So these are people mm -hmm. who have decided to take on a dogmatic mindset and anybody can take on a dogmatic mindset, but maybe Christianity primes a certain American mind for that dogmatic mindset mm -hmm. because it's also based upon fear. And the fear, what is this fear of? First, it was the fear of going to hell. And what does hell look like? Hell is the unknown. You know, what, what do I need to do to get out of being sent to an eternity of hell? So there's this feeling of you need to be pure, you need to be good. And what does that mean? pure blood, mm -hmm. pure nation, pure whatever it is, purity culture, pure sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, this is a very, I think, toxic element of Christianity. And I think a lot of Christians are now very progressive and they don't agree with that. But there is that mm -hmm. mindset that those who may say they're not totally Christian, they have brought over from maybe their Christian upbringing into the occult. The occult mm -hmm. is in a lot of ways this chameleon that kind of helps to meld into what you already are and what you already maybe uh, were brought up in. I want to say that the occult is very culture and context specific. When people say magic is this or magic is that, I'm just like, kind of, because it really mm -hmm. depends. Are we talking about, because when people say magic, they usually mean like white people magic, but I'm just like, mm -hmm. there's magic going on right now that's been going on in Mongolia. There's magic that's yeah. been going on and has always been going on in Somalia in um, Ghana, and it's an everyday part of life in South Africa, in Mexico. Mexican Catholicism, hi. It's, it's mm -hmm. magic. It's literally all magic. So, mm -hmm. you know, it seems as though what we're seeing right now is that mindset shifting into the occult because the Christian, the toxic elements of Christianity has bled into especially in American occultism. And I've read mm -hmm. tons of articles, tons and tons and tons about yoga instructors and yoga influencers 
people who are really into, let's say, uh, Norse paganism, who have decided to take QAnon and conspiracy theories and nationalism and use the occult, I guess, ident- identity, you know, the runes, the, the gods and mm-hmm. stuff to talk about how ancient times and legends support this idea of, I guess, like racial purity or mm-hmm. whatever other conspiracy theories that people have. And so what we're seeing right now is, again, the malleability and politicization of magic, which is inherent in magic's nature. So I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I find it very interesting that other people are surprised. Um, And to me, that shows how differently maybe those who have grown up in cultures who don't see magic as an everyday part of life, they saw magic Mm -hmm. as separate. Like Phil Mm -hmm. Hines says, I was brought up to believe that magic is out there and this is real life. But magic has always been intertwined with real life, and therefore it is inevitable that it will be intertwined with ideas of race, about ideas about what is real and what's not real. So this is just the beginning. This is absolutely just the beginning. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's exactly what I thought. Um, yeah. uh, not to get too political, but when, the, uh, when they stormed the uh, Capitol and then the gentleman was saying that he was a healer, the one guy was like, I'm a healer, you know, I'm a shaman or whatever he was saying. Yeah. And I was just like, I was just like, oh no, this is not, you know, and, and I feel like in different iterations throughout time that the communities had to deal with things like this, whether it's Christians and now it's the Q people and so I was like separating, trying to separate ourselves from people that are, you know, dangerous in a sense, um, very dangerous and have a dangerous ideology. So yeah, I was curious to, to hear your thoughts. I'm sure you and give your thoughts on that, but I was really curious about that. So I kind of want to talk about closed practices. I know that's a hot topic on um, TikTok. And I, I had a conversation with this gentleman named Bradley Caro. And he uh, and I said, well, is, I had to ask him, I was like, is Kabbalah closed practice? And he was like, well, yeah, it is. He said, um, he said, there's things that I... He was like, I don't even know. He's like, it's closed off to some 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 juicy man. And he's like, but you know, it's not like. But he was still talking about it and t- teaching us about it. So um, I just use that as like a recent example. But I wanted you to kind of go through what a closed practice is, like exactly what is a closed practice, because I think that gets kind of muddy with some folks. And then kind of tell us like, you know, what where's the line, like the respect line, where should it be in your opinion? So I always use the analogy of, do you want to be an M&M or a vanilla ice when it comes to these <laughs> things? Because <laughs> we, exactly. we know that there is a different energy between an M&M yeah. and a vanilla ice. So yeah. uh, when we talk about closed practices, I like to liken it to when you're in, a, in an office and there's a closed door meeting versus an open door meeting. A lot of people, they think that, ooh, closed practices means that there's all this like really spooky stuff going on. It's more like we don't even know what's going on because a door is fucking closed, okay? That group inside the closed door meeting are having a certain talk that they may or may not choose to share with the rest of the company, but it's closed door. Mm-hmm. Now, would you, as a emotionally and socially aware person, bars through that door and be like, hey, this needs to be an open door meeting, period. Or would mm-hmm. be like, hmm, 
maybe the people in there, oh, let me see. Oh, yeah, these are like the, the very top executives of this company. They're probably talking about stuff that needs to be happening between them, right? Because we don't need to know all of it, okay? If we knew that knowledge, maybe we'd freak out. Maybe we do this. Maybe we'd have like some weird ideas, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's the engineers having a closed door meeting and it's they're doing their thing. It's sort of like the fact that people, I think, are freaking out about this Oh, I want to be in. Let me in. Let me into the the closed door. I'm just like, what's the problem? There's so many things in life that are closed door. And the fact that people are trying to equate it as some sort of like really nefarious gatekeeping. And it's like, yeah, yeah, there is gatekeeping. And part of that gatekeeping is necessary. If you go to any sort of traditional um, religion or any part of the world where these magical practices never disappeared. I mean, I lived in Bali for about five months. Mm-hmm. And they practice Hinduism, but there are aspects of what they practice, what the priests practice that are closed, which means Mm -hmm. that they learn how to do rituals and ceremonies and certain things that the rest of the people don't. And no one seems to be complaining there. And I think it's because they realize there is is some separation between, I guess, the professionals, the experts, Mm -hmm. and those who are a little late more on the lay people side and there's nothing bad or degrading about not being part of this quote unquote like exclusive group they're just a group of people who are just sort of like really into their thing Mm -hmm. fraternities and sororities are closed as well you know you need to be initiated to get into a fraternity or sorority you cannot just say hey um Beta Phi, whatever. I was never a sorority girl, so I don't know what the mm-hmm. name yeah, yeah. Whatever. We, we can yeah, imagine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, movies. you can't just decide without initiating that you are part of that sorority or fraternity. That's just weird if you do that. If you want to do it, so if you want to wear the sweatshirt so bad, initiate. But most people are just like, I don't want to initiate. I just want the freedom to decide that I can call myself a mambo or a shaman a Mongolian shaman without the initiation, or maybe if I get initiation, can I get the really shortened, you know, Cliff's notes like shamanism for dummies version of it, please? Because I can't spend twenty thousand dollars in like two weeks because you know I have to go back to my corporate job or something like that. I don't know. So for me, this is a very confusing thing, and I think for anybody who comes from a tradition where magic was a little bit more of like an everyday thing, it's sort of like, what's the big deal, guys, right? It's not that big a deal. It just means that they're in a closed door meeting and they know extra shit. That's basically it. And if you want to be part of that closed door meeting, get the degree, which means get the initiation. Simple. That's it. Mm -hmm. Or earn the trust. I feel like it's about trust as well. Earn the trust, which is actually part of the initiation as well. So Mm -hmm. do whatever... it needs to, you know, they're not going to let you into like a corporate closed door meeting unless you have the qualifications, get qualified right. in some sort of way. And that's literally all that is. And the fact that people make it into something bigger than that, I think it shows a certain entitlement. And also mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest, it shows a certain colonizer mindset, which is let me just mm-hmm. go in and just take, I don't mm-hmm. have anything of equal exchange. I don't bring much to the table but I would still like to be part of this. And it's like, why? But mm-hmm. why do you want to be part of this? If you truly and absolutely sincerely want to be part of something, you would want to come in knowing your shit. Eminem came to these battles with skill. He brought something to the table. He didn't mm-hmm. just look at something and be like, I don't really know how to do this very well, but it looks as though I could probably sell it to my buddies for a lot of money vanilla ice mindset Mm -hmm. and therefore Mm -hmm. i'm going to take pick and cherry pick all this stuff 
And if anybody tries to tell me, hey, you know, like we as the community who was doing it first and mm-hmm. arguably much better, we don't respect mm-hmm. that for them to be like, oh, gatekeeping. No, that's not what mm-hmm. that's not what it is. Closed practices are not like that. Closed practices are more like come with something to bring to the table. Come with mm-hmm. a, a casserole, at least to the potluck, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like bring something of value. Don't just stomp in and demand to be part of it because it doesn't work like that in any other aspect of human life. So why do we as spiritualists need to bring you into the closed door meeting when you would get thrown out by security if you try to do that at like Google or Apple headquarters? So to me, this is perfectly logical, perfectly logical. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Wow, that's the best analogy of the deal to be an Eminem or Vanilla Ice. That's a perfect, you know what? And I think that's a perfect way to yeah. describe cultural appropriation next time somebody brings it up. <laughs> so I'll just, you know, that's a perfect analogy. And may I also add here that people of color can tell when somebody outside of that culture is appreciating versus appropriating. There mm-hmm. are no hard and fast rules. I think that a lot of people outside the culture, well-meaning people, they get really nervous and scared. And sometimes that fear turns into aggression. Like, oh, how come this person gets a pass, a quote unquote pass, and I don't? Like, well, how come in this situation it's okay, but it's not in that situation? These things are like art. There's subtlety and nuance to them. It's just like that one Supreme Court justice said, which is, I don't know how to define pornography, but I know when I see it. Like a Greek statue in a museum showing Mm -hmm. some, you know, David's penis is not the same as something that's on Pornhub. So Mm -hmm. there is something about the energy. And so it requires human discernment. And that is where it gets into that gray area because people want that very black and white sort of like this is and this isn't because then it simplifies the complexity of modern life. But that's just not how it goes, unfortunately. So a lot of it is if you come into something with true and absolute sincerity. And we're not talking about sort of like, oh my God, it's so cute. I want to try it. That's mm-hmm. that's okay. But that's different from somebody who's just like, I'm willing to spend the next 10, 20 years of my life getting really good at something. I'm willing to come into a space where I am forever going to consider myself a visitor. Even if mm. skill-wise, I become quote unquote, more skilled than everyone else around me, I will always come in with the mentality that I am a visitor. And also, while I'm here as a visitor, my job is to not only become good for myself, skill-wise great for myself, but also to hype up the people who have been in the space before me and who are also my peers because they naturally, due to things that they can't control, like the color of their skin, their features, will not get the same attention as I would for me to help hype them up and say, hey, it's not just me. It's these people who've been in this tradition for a long time as well. So there's this energy that people who are true appreciators and also exchangers of information that they have that appropriators don't have, which is the reason why people who are well-meaning, but who come into it with that very me, 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 me mentality, we can tell. Mm -hmm. And that is why it feels more like appropriation than appreciation, even if that wasn't their intention. We know when Mm -hmm. somebody's coming in to take Versus somebody's coming in with equal exchange. Equal exchange mm-hmm. is also equal energy exchange. There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And not to beat up on her, on this particular person, but I, that's the same argument I was trying to make about a lot of these people. I won't name them names, but there's a lot of people monetizing off the practices of, of uh, people 
you know, people of color and indigenous people and even like some of these smaller practices. And they do, they do bring that me, me, me thing into it. It, it is. And so when we, as people of color say those things, it sounds like, you know, it does sound like we're trying to be a buzzkill, but we know who has the correct intentions or not. There, it, it strikes me as odd as that, you know, someone, and I'll, she'll probably never know this, I'll just say it, someone like Gwyneth Paltrow can make thousands of dollars <laughs> off of a show going to, you know, somewhere to take, you know, ayahuasca and investigating all this stuff without, and it doesn't feel like it's about the people. It feels like it's like, here, here, look how cool I am. I'm going to explore this. And it doesn't feel like, okay, what are you doing for that community that you just, you know, brought you and your executives and your, you know, fancy folks from the West side to go, you know what I mean? What happens to them? Because they've shared something very sacred with you. And I just don't feel like there's that. It's just like, this is a cute accessory for me. This is also something cute and niche that I found that can make me more popular and get more traffic on my website. So, and I know that's a harsh criticism, but I feel like it's really accurate. It is. And I Um, think that that sort of, um, ability to talk about this this sort of almost invisible thing that we call energy is also helpful to those who are outside the culture who really and absolutely want to honor but have not been shown the right role models have not been taught by you know the pe- the people around them how to do it in a way that is an equal exchange but who truly want to honor and so who are afraid mm-hmm. to walk down that path which is also a shame there are plenty of people outside of indigenous and and people of color traditions who would be incredible additions to that community who bring yeah. so much honor and energy but who to be very honest, are scared out of their fucking minds to, you know, offend. So they will just not even go down there. What a shame, you know? So therefore, yeah, absolute shame. So this is definitely not in any way saying, if you're not of the tradition, like, don't even try because you will get, you know, shit on. It's Mm -hmm. more that Mm -hmm. if you come in with that certain energy, the chances of you not getting shit on is much higher. Look at Eminem. Eminem, Mm -hmm. he was consistently this energy. He didn't just do it in the beginning and then he was just like, I'm the Mm -hmm. greatest rapper in the world and therefore I can drop this act. Mm -hmm. He He came in with it. He kept it because that's who he was at his core. And therefore, Mm -hmm. that's the reason why he is Eminem and he's not Vanilla Ice. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of like if you come in already sort of embodying that energy of real respect of that, let's just call it Eminem energy, okay? Have Eminem be (laughs) Yeah. If you come with that Eminem energy, then I feel as though you can go in with less fear. And also, it'll be more comfortable for you as well, because you know. And when you come in with that energy, and you know that you come in with that energy, the way that you're going to behave in your years-long journey on this road, it's going to have a certain confidence and a certain grace that also makes people around you trust you more. So let's not be jumpy, you know? Like when people come in, but they're scared and they get super jumpy and super apologetic, mm-hmm. it's such a drag. It's really annoying, right? It's sort of like, calm mm-hmm. down. You're making us uncomfortable. <laughs> Chill. Yeah. Yeah, they're almost in tears. They're like, I don't know. I didn't mean to do anything wrong and offend anybody. And it's not that. And also, and I feel like- too, Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I feel like too lately, like, and I've, I've done this on the podcast and I'm trying to, like, we've done 10 episodes. I'm trying to, like, turn the- turn the turn the corner a little bit on this because I don't want to spend so much time centering what is wrong but I want to focus on in this time where clarification and correct information is important spend more time on that than the latest yogi that has a scandal that was robbing people with crystals or something like you know what I mean like that whole thing and so spending time on that stuff because like at the end of the day like it just adds I feel like it just adds it takes away from 
whatever we're supposed to be learning or what we, we could be learning, right? It's centering um, the the sort of like the outside, like the European-minded experience on top of mm-hmm. the experience of those who are already in the tradition to begin with. So, yes. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I'm trying not to do that as well, but it's easy to it's easy to fall into that like list of grievances and get irritated by it. But it's and like you know what, could... listing out those grievances is a very important part of. Um, some a friend of mine was telling me about this the other day that in the Catholic Church we have things like you have confession, right, and then mm-hmm. you have penance. So it's part of that entire healing process. And the mm-hmm. fact that people there are a lot of people who are not giving space right now to hear the confessions, I think is unfortunate because that is a very necessary first step. So Mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons why I encourage everybody, even if it's like, oh, again, we want to talk about this again and again and again. It's sort of like, that's the first step. Before we get to Mm -hmm. the actual healing that comes at the end, religion, Mm -hmm. you know, for all toxicity, it does have a way to help us through certain sort of life events. And one of them is when you've done wrong and you want to heal, what do you do? You start off with confession. And then you are given rituals to do so that you go deep inside yourself and hopefully you figure out, ah, and then you give penance. You show other people once you do the meditation of the prayers with the rosaries or whatever, then you give penance to the others, but it's coming from a place of authenticity, not of, oh, Mm -hmm. I have to because this law says I have to. No, you're doing it because Mm -hmm. you you meditated, you became self-aware, you went introspective. And then finally you give penance and that's how you have healing. And so the fact that there is this this shorting out of the beginning part, which is about the confession, the confession is very painful, but it's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And so this is why, even though I'm human and there are times where I'm just like, can we just talk about K-pop please? Yeah. (laughs) Where I'm just like, at the same time, I realize that different people are starting to heal at different times. And therefore people who have been confessing like way before, they're at a different part of their journey than somebody who's starting to confess right now. So those who are mm-hmm. expressing pain right now or expressing anger or guilt or bewilderment right now, they're just starting right now. And maybe a lot of people en masse are doing it right now, but it is the first step. So I really invite people, even though a lot of us who've been in this space of talking about this for years, I know it's a drag because mm-hmm. we've been doing it for years and we're at a different point in the journey, but everybody mm-hmm. has a different journey. So let's, try to you know listen to k-pop with our headphones in one year and then still you know kind of be like okay let's extend a little Take bit a of grace. <laughs> yeah. as yeah, people exactly. start their journey <laughs> yeah and i realized yeah everybody's at a different place in the journey yeah i've had to think about that too that's a good that's good that's something for me to work on because i was really like grouchy this week i was like i don't want to talk about this anymore i just want to talk oh, about me, I'm so uh, over it. I'm so i want to talk about young young <laughs> and like you know dreams and symbols and stuff and yeah, yeah uh what is let's see what is something what's next on your you know agenda of things to talk about that you feel like is really important that hasn't been talked about that you want to touch on really quick that you know you feel like would be good for people that are new to this this uh world to know or this this belief you know the occult to know right now I think occultism, like politics, it swings from one end to the other. And so Mm -hmm. for the past couple of years, spirit work has been the thing, right? Oh my God, Mm -hmm. spirit, 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 spirits, they Mm -hmm. do everything. Why Mm -hmm. would you do magic without spirits? Let's, you know, uh, translate all the texts about spirits. But I feel like Mm -hmm. the pendulum is starting to move, especially from what I see on TikTok, from spirit work into more energy work. 
which mm-hmm. shares a lot in common with new age stuff. And so mm-hmm. maybe like in the beginning when there was like chaos magic back in like the seventies and eighties, it was a little bit more, it was spirit work, but it was also energy work. And then it got into sort of like real big spirit work. And now it's kind of swinging back into energy work. And I say that from the very unscientific anecdotal evidence that I see more and more uh, on TikTok and also what I personally am feeling more drawn towards. So yes, I work with Hecate, but as an atheist, I just want to clarify that the one of the things that one does as an atheist when they're working with spirits is that you work with the archetype. For me, and for those who are devoted to and almost in a way worship these spirits, it's blasphemy to say that Hecate is not quote unquote real. Mm-hmm. And to that, I say, what is real? You know, we don't know what's yeah. really real or not. So instead, mm-hmm. what I've done in the past three years or so working with Hecate is I've tried to become more like her. So Jason Miller, he has this amazing course called Sorcery of Hecate. And in the course, we're taught this magic where we're literally exchanging energy with Hecate. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Hecate, 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 there's so many different ways to say her name. Um, and mm-hmm. so what I've been doing is very different from many other people in the course in that the way that I'm exchanging energy is that I'm becoming more and more like her. I am sort of like faking it till I make it to become more and more like Hecate, all the things that I wish that I yeah. could become. And after three years of doing that, I feel as though I've become immersed in the broth that is Hecate. And I have so much thankfulness in my heart because I am a different person now. I have mm-hmm. stayed myself at the core and yet have also infused myself with the flavor of Hecate in what I consider to be an amazing melange of flavors. And so now I'm just like, okay, now what do I do with this? You know, um, I'm not here to worship because I don't see Hecate as the spirit outside of me that's external, um, that is, you know, um, kind of like walking and talking besides me as if it was like kind of like me, but not me. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing now is getting more and more into energy. And I was always a really big fan of energy. Um, and people may call it different things. In psychology, we may call it like positive thinking. And based upon like certain sorts of psychology, like business psychology, they sometimes use like positive thinking, but in, um, a, a, I forget exactly what they call it, but they'll use it to say, you know, like you envision yourself doing it like this, but then um, these are some like NLP techniques that you can add on top of that to kind of trigger yourself into that sort of mindset, you know? Um, And then we have people in the new age movement saying, Oh, it's law of attraction. And then you have Mm. people in traditional uh, religions and spiritual practices saying that, Oh, it's maybe like chakra meditation. It is um, the, the chambers in your body being filled up with energy, whatever it is, people have different Mm -hmm. goals and people have different ways of using energy. I'm really interested in that sort of energy mode of magic, uh, a lot more based upon how to use the energies in your body as well as the energy generated by your brain, treating the body as almost like a battery, using techniques mm. like emotional freedom technique, tapas acupressure technique, um, mindsets like reality transurfing, written by Vadim Zeeland, um, using something else. I feel, um, let me make sure I get the book title right. The Eight Circuit Model of Consciousness. Um, Perfect. And tarot Ali. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's dope. I was going to say, could you give us a, uh, what, as a, also, make, please give us a really brief intro to Hecate really quick. So in case nobody, anybody has never heard of Hecate, um, I don't know that much, but could you tell us a little bit like about Hecate and, and you mentioned working with Hecate, but I just wanted you to 
give us a little intro on who that who that is? Sure. So I've actually taken two Hecate courses by two amazing teachers. One of them is Jason Miller. He runs Sorcery of Hecate, and it's a seven-month course. And once you're in the course, you're in it for life. So I've taken many different cycles of it, like three or four. So it's been about three or four years. Um, I've also taken um, Hail Hecate, Walking the Forked Path by Jack Grail. And that's a 13-week course. They're both online. And they have very different ways of working with Hecate. So there is no one way to work with Hecate. Hecate is this energy that this huge energy and back in the old days, our ancestors realized that there was this energy and those who are very sensitive to energy out in nature out in the real world, you know, natural world were like, mm-hmm. what is this energy that feels a certain way and I don't know what it is. And they decided to call this one energy Hecate and this was in what we call Turkey, the country of Turkey right now. Mm-hmm. It came from that area. But, you know, it kind of that idea has been in all cultures, this very large psychopomp as in an energy that's feminine. Uh, it could be masculine as well, but oftentimes is a feminine and masculine energy that can go traverse between the overworld and the underworld. Um, mm-hmm. And Hecate has this feeling of like, she is older than old. She is up here and down here as well. You know, she's feminine and yet there isn't something super, like hyper feminine like when we think of like Aphrodite or Venus and -hmm. yet there she's definitely feminine um, and there's lots of other ways to deal with her and you know we have these things called epiphanies and when we think of epiphany we think that word means oh when you have a sudden thought epiphany also Mm -hmm. means when there's like an animal that corresponds to and then also like something happens like a dog barking is like an epiphany Mm -hmm. a black dog Mm -hmm. barking is an epiphany of Hecate And so we start associating things in the natural world with Hecate. And there's been all this legend cults around Hecate that's been going on for thousands of years. So there's an established mythology. Does this mean that you need to stick with the established mythology? Not necessarily. Hecate is always evolving. All the spirits, all the energies are always evolving. Volcanoes of days of yore are different from now. Mount Vesuvius that exploded during the days of Pompeii is different now because it exploded back then. So it's by nature... Mm -hmm different. The earth is always moving, the the plates and stuff. And so energy is always evolving. And I feel as though there is great, um, there's great, wonderful sort of like techniques that can be taken from, let's say, the Greek magical papyri, which in which Hecate is one of the most called upon uh, goddesses and gods. And there's also ways to call upon Hecate that are very modern, very unique to the person as well. And so Jason Miller's course is much more based upon maybe, let's say, a more modern way of doing things. And Jack mm-hmm. Grail's course is more based upon the traditional ways of doing things. But they're both very, very helpful in their own ways. And so I've taken both of these courses and over the past couple of years, meshed them together, worked through it in my own way. And people who may not be able to take the courses, they can still find a way to work with Hecate by learning more about her, reading books about her, um, Mm -hmm. meditating, trying to figure out what Hecate, that large energy that's been around maybe since the beginning of the time the earth was formed, what that means to them. And I would Mm -hmm. still encourage people to find ways to find teachers. It's important to find, I think, a human teacher a live teacher, you can ask questions and kind of helps ground you to eventually find a teacher. But you know what? If you want to find out more about Hecate, maybe not necessarily to work with her, but to find more about the the mythology and traditions, there's tons of books, amazing books about Hecate. She's having a resurgence. And one of the blogs yeah. I would recommend uh, is Cindy Brennan's uh, Keeping Her Keys. 
uh, one of the things associated with Hecate is keys. So mm-hmm. read her blog. It's extremely uh, accessible. She has tons of rituals that you can do if you feel called to do them, completely free to read. And the rituals would be very inexpensive to do. And so anybody mm-hmm. can do it. Right. Oh, dope. You can't, I always ask, like, in the every guest we have, like, what homework? And you just gave us what exactly what I wanted, all the homework. I love it. Um, I thank you so much for, I, I'm going to, I guess, wrap this up, but I thank you for doing this for, with me tonight. I know that we had a little, you know, miscommunication mishap or whatever, but it's, ret- I guess, retrograde. That's what everybody's saying. So um, that's probably why. But you are, you do such a great job. And I feel thank like... You. It is wonderful to have you in this space. Um, and that's a oh, word that's used you. a lot, but it's wonderful to, to kind of see you've, I don't want to use the word infiltrated, but it's like you've taken your place amongst in this group uh, of uh, this esoteric world. You've taken your place there as a place for someone like myself or other people to feel like, okay, there is someone there. It's not just this, you know, um, yeah, white dudes. Yeah, there's actually other people involved. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, and is there anything else that you wanted to add or let everybody know or anything else you wanted to talk about? Or I just wanted to reiterate that magic is by its nature political. Anybody who tries to make it about, oh, you know, like, uh, we we have to all just love each other. You know, we need to go beyond like the structures of earth, skin color, religion and stuff like that. I would tell them that is spiritual bypassing, that is toxic mm-hmm. spirituality. And that in itself is also a political situation and ignores the history of magic from its very inception. And therefore mm-hmm. it is actually anti-magical to have that mindset. Mm-hmm. And I say that very strongly because I see that mindset happening a lot amongst people today, those who want to reject the fact that magic is inherently political because magic is done by humans. Humans have built these structures. We are not spirits divorced from our bodies. We are not mm-hmm. in 5D just floating around in some you know, etheric soup. Hello, we are human beings mm-hmm. inside this rotting meat suit. To ignore this, this rotting meat suit is to ignore mm-hmm. like the basic foundation of what makes us born out of our mom's cooch, like into this earth, you know? Mm-hmm. So to ignore that, to ignore the human condition that we are in is so, so, so anti-magical that I can't even describe it because basically magic is what humans do. Okay. Magic is what animals do. Magic is what those built into this rotting meat suit do. If we mm-hmm. were out into the ether, the way that we quote unquote naturally are supposed to be, we're just being ourselves. That's not magic. We're just do, 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 mm-hmm. just hanging out, chilling, just doing our own thing. We are doing magic. We call it magic. We use that word magic specifically because we are trying to remember who we came from, but we're doing it inside this magical meat suit. And therefore mm-hmm. to ignore the fact that this meat suit comes with certain things like structures with eyeballs that are different colors, features that look differently, skin color that's different, a history, you know, all that stuff, a linear mindset. All that stuff, to ignore that is to ignore the entire definition and the entire basis of what magic actually is. So anybody who tries to tell you that magic is not political and tries to do that toxic spiritual bypassing, yeah. don't be afraid to just be like, you were the most unmagical mm-hmm. person ever. You know, but whatever. Yeah, because the 5D thing is a is a huge thing. Everybody's like, I'm 5D now. And I'm like, whatever. I was like, are we supposed to be out of our bodies this much? Like, I don't think that that's... That's a part of it. I mean, you know, a lot of people just want to spend time, so much time, like, 
out there, like exploring. It's just like sometimes exactly. we are in this region. You know exactly. what I mean? So, exactly. It's like so congratulations that you want to escape. Congratulations mm-hmm. that you want to escape for your body. But guess what? You still need to take a shit. You still need to eat. You exactly. still need to, you know, you still need to wash your still hair. Need a job. You still need you a job and pay your taxes. So exactly. congratulations. You're a human being. <laughs> Thank you, Chawan. I appreciate it so much. Um I, I I'll let you know before before we um release the episode, I'll give you uh I'll let you know and then that way you can I know you're on Instagram too. I need to follow you. Um if I'm not following you already. Um but thank you so much for doing this. You're my you're my you're my hero. So um I um I'm, I'll be doing all this homework and I'll get back to you and let you know how it goes. So I appreciate. Oh please, it. and um especially, I really 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 recommend Vadim Zeeland's reality transurfing. It's six hundred fucking pages, okay? But fortunately, uh-huh. it's on YouTube. You know, like it has a cult following. Like seriously, I think this is the next level shit. You know, yeah. um, it has this like cult following. I really recommend that you listen to the YouTube stuff, just like washing dishes and stuff. That. Uh-huh. I really believe that the Russians, that they're doing, they're leading the next sort of wave of this new spirituality. Mm-hmm. They've made um, astral projection like a, a normal thing. Like they have schools where they teach people how to do astral projection. And Vadim Zeeland, another Russian guy, he's a Russian scientist, um, like a mm-hmm. physicist, I think. So mm-hmm. 600 pages, it's extremely hard to go through, but man, it's amazing. So I really- it's worth it. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you so much for this. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'll let you know when the episode comes out and um, I appreciate you doing this. And then, yeah, I'm going to do all the things now. Like I feel good now. Like, like I need to, needed to have a conversation like this. I think I was just in the, in the fray too much with um, the spiritual community on, you're not on clubhouse and like Oscar will edit this out, but you're not on clubhouse yet. Are you? No, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard of clubhouse. Okay. So clubhouse and if i get an invite so now right now the app is invite only mm-hmm. and it is uh it is a real-time voice app so it's like you could do a podcast but it's your voice in a room and you could be you have an audience which is like mm-hmm. maybe a room full of a thousand people in the audience and there is like a it's like a panel but it's on this app so in this app um there is because it's still in beta there have been well, there's been already controversy because there's been a lot of quote unquote important folks on the app. Like the other day, oh, the Elon, Musk Elon, thing, Elon, right? Elon was on there. Yeah. <laughs> but the, there's a real, and I, and I, I'm glad I have you right now so I can talk about this. There's a real need for um, someone like yourself. And if I know we all have busy things to do on the app or maybe doing talks on the app, because again, the spiritual community on there, there's a lot of grifting and there's a lot of, um, the people that are in the, in the, I mean, there's just a, it's, it's people that are like really interested in UFOs and stuff, but they're like very, oh. I don't want to use the word like uneducated, but they still use things like, oh, grounded. Yeah. Like I, I heard this guy has like, he has a podcast and he has like, I think maybe like 30,000 people that come to his events. Of yeah. Or 30,000, I'm not 30, like on the, listen to his podcast, but on the, in the groups, he has thousands of people and he had a, he was talking about how, yeah, the reason why witches do um, uh, th- uh, <laughs> do rituals at night is to insult the Trinity, and I was just like, nobody cares about the Trinity. Nobody's doing that, bro. And like in a room full of like people that are just not interested, people that are interested in new forms of spirituality. So, 
Um, there is a real need for it. And there's some people that are doing it, but then a lot of it, a lot of it's 5D Ascension. A lot of it's like, you know, I'm, oh, you know, yeah. I'm stuff. yeah, so it just, and I've tried to do, because it's Black History Month, I try to do like maybe a little talk on Pamela Coleman Smith or something, you know what I mean? Right. Like, or different people, but it's just like, there is a, there is a need for, you know, people to, like yourself to bridge that gap, I feel like, and people that are genuinely interested that are getting the wrong information. So I don't know if you're interested one day, you can come kind of feel out the app. But I mean, um, I've uh, I've enjoyed the the good political talks that I have, but it's really kind of like murky with the the spiritual community. There's a couple I'm people here and there. Super interested. Like, do you just to yeah. sign up or what do you do? To- Someone on the app has to invite you. So um, it's like you get an invitation and it's like uh, on your phone, you get a text and you sign up through there. Yeah. So it's, uh, but I think they're going to open it up to Android soon because it's still in beta and it's kind of the wild, wild west right now because they, it is still in beta and there's a lot of wild stuff on there. Like, uh, but there's also like pretty interesting, there's a lot of interesting people on it right now, um, tech people and stuff like that. But the, the spiritual community is kind of, kind of lacking. I think the last thing that they did for the preservation of the human race, they did, a um, they did an event with, uh, and I know I, this is between us. I won't record it. Hold on. Let me. <laughs> the latest yogi that has a scandal that was robbing people with crystals or something like, you know what I mean? Like that whole thing. Um, and it's just spending time on that stuff because like at the end of the day, like it just adds, I feel like it just adds, it takes away from whatever we're supposed to be learning or what we, we could be learning. Right. It's centering um, the, the, sort of like the outside like the european minded experience on top of mm-hmm. the experience of those who are already in the tradition to begin with so yes. yeah I agree. yeah yeah so I've, i'm trying not to do that as well but it's easy to it's easy to fall into that like list of grievances and get irritated by it but it's and like you know what listing out those grievances is a very important part of um some a friend of mine was telling me about this the other day that in the catholic church we have Things like you have confession, right? And then Mm -hmm. you have penance. So it's part of that entire healing process. And the Mm -hmm. fact that people, there are a lot of people who are not giving space right now to hear the confessions, I think is unfortunate because that is a very necessary first step. So Mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons why I encourage everybody, even if it's like, oh, again, we want to talk about this again and again and again. It's sort of like, that's the first step. Before we get to Mm -hmm. the actual healing that comes at the end, religion you know for all its toxicity it does have a way to help us through certain sort of life events and one of them is when you've done wrong and you want to heal what do you do you start off with confession and then you are given rituals to do so that you go deep inside yourself and hopefully you figure out ah and then you give penance you show other people once you do the meditation of the prayers with the rosaries or whatever, then you give penance to the others, but it's coming from a place of authenticity, not of, oh, mm-hmm. I have to because this law says I have to. No, you're doing it because mm-hmm. you did, you meditated, you became self-aware, you went introspective. And then finally you give penance and that's how you have healing. And so mm-hmm. the fact that there is this, sh- this shorting out of the beginning part, which is about the confession. The confession is mm-hmm. very painful, but it's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And so this is why, even though I'm human and there are times where I'm just like, can we just talk about K-pop, please? Yeah. <laughs> where I'm just like, yeah. at the same time, yeah. I realize that different people are starting to heal at different times. And therefore, people who yes. have been confessing like way before, they're at a different part of their journey than somebody who's starting to confess right now. 
So those who are expressing pain right now or expressing anger or guilt or bewilderment right now, they're just starting right now. And maybe a lot of people en masse are doing it right now, but it is the first step. So I really invite people, even though a lot of us who've been in this space of talking about this for years, I know it's a drag because we've been doing it for years and we're at a different point in the journey, but everybody mm -hmm. has a different journey. So let's try to, you know, listen to K-pop with our headphones in one year and then still, mm -hmm. you know, kind of be like, okay, let's extend a little Take bit a of grace <laughs> yeah. as yeah, people exactly. start their journey. <laughs> yeah. And I realized, yeah, everybody's at a different place in the journey. Yeah. I've had to think about that too. That's a good, that's good. That's something for me to work on. Cause I was really like grouchy this week. I was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I just want to talk oh, about, me, I'm so uh, over it. So I want to talk about young, young <laughs> and like, you know, dreams and symbols and stuff. And yeah. yeah. Uh, what is, let's see, what is something, What's next on your, you know, agenda of things to talk about that you feel like is really important that hasn't been talked about that you want to touch on really quick that, you know, you feel like would be good for people that are new to um, this, this uh, world to know, or this, this belief, you know, the occult to know right now. That I you think like. occultism, like politics, it swings from one end to the other. And so mm -hmm. for the past couple of years, spirit work has been the thing, right? Oh my God, mm -hmm. spirit, 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 spirits, they mm -hmm. do everything. Why mm -hmm. would you do magic without spirits? Let's, you know, uh, translate all the texts about spirits. But I feel like mm -hmm. the pendulum is starting to move, especially from what I see on TikTok, from spirit work into more energy work, which mm -hmm. shares a lot in common with new age stuff. And so mm -hmm. maybe like in the beginning when there was like chaos magic back in like the 70s and 80s, that was a little bit more, it was spirit work, but it was also energy work. And then it got into sort of like real big spirit work. And now it's kind of swinging back into energy work. And I say that from the very unscientific anecdotal evidence that I see more and more uh, on TikTok and also what I personally am feeling more drawn towards. So yes, I've worked with Hecate, but as an atheist, I just want to clarify that the one of the things that one does as an atheist when they're working with spirits um, is that you work with the archetype. For me, and for those who are devoted to and almost in a way worship these spirits, it's blasphemy to say that Hecate is not quote unquote real. Mm -hmm. And to that I say, what is real? You know, we don't know what's yeah. really real or not. So instead, mm -hmm. what I've done in the past three years or so working with Hecate is I've tried to become more like her. So Jason Miller, he has this amazing course called Sorcery of Hecate. And in the course, we're taught this magic where we're literally exchanging energy with Hecate. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, Hecate, 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 there's so many different ways to say her name. Um, and mm -hmm. so what I've been doing is very different from many other people in the course in that the way that I'm exchanging energy is that I'm becoming more and more like her. I am sort of like faking it till I make it to become more and more like Hecate, all the things that I wish that I yeah. could become. And after three years of doing that, I feel as though I've become immersed in the broth that is Hecate. And I have so much thankfulness in my heart because I am a different person now. I have mm -hmm. stayed myself at the core and yet have also infused myself with the flavor of Hecate in what I consider to be an amazing melange of flavors. And so now I'm just like, okay, now what do I do with this? You know, um, I'm not here to worship because I don't see Hecate as the spirit outside of me that's external, um, that is, you know, um, kind of like walking and talking besides me as if it was like kind of like me, but not me. So mm -hmm. what I'm doing now is getting more and more into energy. And I was always a really big fan of energy. 
Um, and people may call it different things in psychology. We may call it like positive thinking and based upon like certain sorts of psychology, like business psychology, they sometimes use like positive thinking, but in, um, I forget exactly what they call it, but they'll use it to say, you know, like you envision yourself doing it like this, but then, um, these are some like NLP techniques that you can add on top of that to kind of trigger yourself into that sort of mindset, you know? Um, and then we have people in the new age movement saying, oh, it's law of attraction. And then you have mm. people in traditional uh, religions and spiritual practices saying that, oh, it's maybe like chakra meditation. It is um, the, the chambers in your body being filled up with energy, whatever it is. People have different mm -hmm. goals and people have different ways of using energy. I'm really interested in that sort of energy mode of magic, uh, a lot more based upon how to use the energies in your body as well as the energy generated by your brain, treating the body as almost like a battery, using techniques mm. like emotional freedom technique, tapas acupressure technique, um, mindsets like reality transurfing written by Vadim Zeeland, um, using something else. If you, um, let me make sure I get the book title right. The Eight Circuit Model of Consciousness. Um, Perfect. And tarot Ali. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's dope. I was going to say, could you give us a, uh, what, as a, also, please give us a really brief intro to Hecate really quick. So in case nobody, anybody has never heard of Hecate, um, I don't know that much, but could you tell us a little bit like about Hecate and, and you mentioned working with Hecate, but I just wanted you to give us a little intro on who that, who that is. Sure. So I've actually taken two Hecate courses by two amazing teachers. One of them is Jason Miller. He runs Sorcery of Hecate, and it's a seven-month course. And once you're in the course, you're in it for life. So I've taken many different cycles of it, like three or four. So it's been about three or four years. Um, I've also taken um, Hail Hecate, Walking the Forked Path by Jack Grail. And that's a 13-week course. They're both online. And they have very different ways of working with Hecate. So there is no one way to work with Hecate. Hecate is mm -hmm. this energy, that this huge energy. And back in the old days, our ancestors realized that there was this energy. And those who are very sensitive to energy out in nature, out in the real world, you know, natural world, were like, mm -hmm. what is this energy that feels a certain way and I don't know what it is? And they decided to call this one energy Hecate. And this was in what we call Turkey, the country of Turkey right now. Mm -hmm. It came from that area. But, you know, it kind of that idea has been in all cultures, this very large psychopomp as in an energy that's feminine. Uh, it could be masculine as well, but oftentimes is a feminine and masculine energy that can go traverse between the overworld and the underworld. Um, mm -hmm. And Hecate has this feeling of like, she is older than old. She is up here and down here as well. You know, she's feminine and yet there isn't something super, like hyper feminine like when we think of like Aphrodite or Venus and mm -hmm. yet there she's definitely feminine and there's lots of other ways to deal with her and you know we have these things called epiphanies and when we think of epiphany we think that word means oh when you have a sudden thought epiphany also mm -hmm. means when there's like an animal that corresponds to and then also like something happens like a dog barking is like an epiphany mm -hmm. a black dog mm -hmm. barking is an epiphany of Hecate and so we start associating things in the natural world with Hecate. And there's been all this legend cults around Hecate that's been going on for thousands of years. So there's an established mythology. 
Does this mean that you need to stick with the established mythology? Not necessarily. Hecate is always evolving. All the spirits, all the energies are always evolving. Volcanoes of days of yore are different from now. Mount Vesuvius that exploded during you know, the days of Pompeii is different now because it exploded back then. So it's by nature mm -hmm. different. The earth is always moving, the, the plates and stuff. And so energy is always evolving. And I feel as though... There is great, wonderful sort of like techniques that can be taken from, let's say, the Greek magical papyri, which in which Hecate is one of the most called upon uh, goddesses and gods. And there's also ways to call upon Hecate that are very modern, very unique to the person as well. And so Jason Miller's course is much more based upon maybe, let's say, a more modern way of doing things. And Jack mm -hmm. Grail's course is more based upon the traditional ways of doing things. But they're both very, very helpful in their own ways. And so I've taken both of these courses and over the past couple of years, meshed them together, worked through it in my own way. And people who may not be able to take the courses, they can still find a way to work with Hecate by learning more about her, reading books about her, um, mm -hmm. meditating, trying to figure out what Hecate, that large energy that's been around maybe since the beginning of the time the earth was formed, what that means to them. And I would mm -hmm. still encourage people to find ways to find teachers. It's important to find, I think, a human teacher a live teacher, you can ask questions and kind of helps ground you to eventually find a teacher. But you know what? If you want to find out more about Hecate, maybe not necessarily to work with her, but to find more about the, the mythology and traditions, there's tons of books, amazing books about Hecate. She's having a resurgence. And one of the blogs yeah. I would recommend uh, is Cindy Brennan's Keeping Her Keys. Uh, one of the things associated with Hecate is keys. So mm -hmm. read her blog. It's extremely uh, accessible. She has tons of rituals that you can do if you feel called to do them, completely free to read. And the rituals would be very inexpensive to do. And so anybody mm -hmm. can do it. Right. Oh, dope. You gave, I've always asked, like, in the every guest we have, like, what homework? And you just gave us what exactly what I wanted, all the homework. I love it. I thank you so much for, I, I'm going to, I guess, wrap this up, but I thank you for doing this for, with me tonight. I know that we had a little, you know, miscommunication mishap or whatever, but it's, I guess, retrograde. That's what everybody's saying. So um, that's probably why, but you are, you do such a great job and I feel thank like you. it is wonderful to have you in this space. Um, and that's an word that's used a lot, but it's wonderful to, to kind of see you've, I don't want to use the word infiltrated but it's like you've taken your place amongst in this group of uh, this esoteric world you've taken your place there as a place for someone like myself or other people to feel like okay there is someone there it's not just this you know you old know white, white <laughs> yeah old white dudes yeah there's actually other people involved. yeah so I really appreciate that yeah and is there anything else that you wanted to add or I just wanted to reiterate that magic is by its nature, political. Anybody who tries to make it about, oh, you know, like uh, we we have to all just love each other. You know, we need to go beyond like the structures of earth, skin color, religion, and stuff like that. I would tell them that is spiritual bypassing, that is toxic mm -hmm. spirituality, and that in itself is also a political situation and ignores the history of magic from its very inception, and therefore. Mm -hmm it is actually anti-magical to have that mindset. Mm -hmm. And I say that very strongly because I see that mindset happening a lot amongst people today. 
those who want to reject the fact that magic is inherently political because magic is done by humans. Humans have built these structures. We are not spirits divorced from our bodies. We are not mm-hmm. in 5D just floating around in some you know etheric soup. Hello, we are human beings mm-hmm. inside this rotting meat suit. To ignore this, this rotting meat suit is to ignore mm-hmm. like the basic foundation of what makes us born out of our mom's cooch, like into this earth, you know? Mm-hmm. So to ignore that, to ignore the human condition that we are in is so, so, so anti-magical that I can't even describe it because basically magic is what humans do, okay? Magic is what animals do. Magic is what those built into this rotting meat suit do. If we Mm -hmm. were out into the ether the way that we quote unquote naturally are supposed to be, we're just being ourselves. That's not magic. We're just do, 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 Mm -hmm. do, do, just hanging out, chilling, just doing our own thing. We are doing magic. We call it magic. We use that word magic specifically because we are trying to remember who we came from, but we're doing it inside this magical meat suit. And therefore, Mm -hmm. to ignore the fact that this meat suit comes with certain things like structures, with eyeballs that are different colors, features that look differently, skin color that's different, a history, you know, all that stuff, a linear mindset. All that stuff, to ignore that is to ignore the entire definition and the entire basis of what magic actually is. So anybody who tries to tell you that magic is not political and tries to do that toxic spiritual bypassing, don't be afraid to just be like, you were the most unmagical Mm -hmm. person ever. You know, but whatever. Yeah, because the five D thing is a is a huge thing. Everybody's like, I'm five D now. I'm like, I was like, are we supposed to be out of our bodies this much? Like, I don't think that that's that's a part of it. I mean, you know, a lot of people just want to spend time, so much time, like out there, like exploring. It's just like sometimes exactly. we're in this reason, like, you exactly. know what I mean? So, exactly. It's like so congratulations that you want to escape. Congratulations mm-hmm. that you want to escape for your body. But guess what? You still need to take a shit. You still need to eat. You exactly. still need to, you know, you still need to wash your still hair. Job. You still need a job mm-hmm. and so, pay your taxes. So exactly. congratulations. You're a human being. <laughs> Thank you, Chawan. I appreciate it so much. Um, thank you so much for doing this. You're my he- you're my sh- you're my hero. So I um I'm, I'll be doing all this homework and I'll get back to you and let you know how it goes. So I appreciate. Oh please, it. and um especially, I really 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 recommend Vadim Zeland's Reality Transurfing. It's six hundred fucking pages. Okay, but fortunately, uh-huh. it's on YouTube. You know, like it has a cult following. Like seriously, I think this is the next level shit. You know. Um, it has this like cult following. I really recommend that you listen to the YouTube stuff, just like washing dishes and stuff. Mm-hmm. That I really believe that the Russians that they're doing, they're leading the next sort of wave of this new spirituality. Mm-hmm. They've made astral projection like a a normal thing. Like they have schools where they teach people how to do astral projection. And Vadim Zeland, another Russian guy, he's a Russian scientist, um, like a mm-hmm. physicist, I think. So mm-hmm. six hundred pages. It's extremely hard to go through but man it's amazing so i really it's worth it yeah that's what i like <laughs> i'm excited thank you so much for this